purse. It's about, hey, I know you're struggling. This might be coming to an end. How can I help you? Because you would accept, expect the same out of you know them. They would uh, asking questions and trying to be there for them and trying to guide them and and help them be happy and find the next step in their life is not nagging. Don't be worried about that. If if you're married or if you're a boyfriend and girlfriend and you love each other, you're allowed to ask tough questions and you're allowed to like you know say the uncomfortable things because it's the same way the other way around if just put yourself in in the position that you were in that spot and your husband came up to you and said something would you feel like he's nagging or would you feel like he just cares what gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women inspired by our online network breaking the ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. For hockey expats, by hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hi guys, I'm going to keep my intro short and sweet this week. Today on the podcast, we are talking about retirement and life after hockey. It's something that we all know is going to happen at some point or another, but sometimes we don't know how or when or where. And oftentimes these questions come up in our heads. Will my husband end his career because of an injury? Will it end because we don't get a contract? Will it end because we decide we want to settle down and find normalcy in our lives? And now with COVID, that is all amplified. Did my husband play his last hockey game and not even know it? I know that's been a really hard pill to swallow for a lot of families this year. My husband is obviously not retired, but I have tons of empathy for those who are transitioning or still going through these after effects a year or several years after. I mean, I can only imagine how difficult it would be for my husband, and this is definitely an episode I'm going to come back and re-listen to when the time comes, but I still think it's a good one to hear now, even if you're still in the game. A member of our Facebook group actually asked me to share a post anonymously maybe a month ago because she needed some support from our community during this rough transition of retirement for her and her husband. And sidebar, I want you to know if you have a question but you would like to remain anonymous, you can always reach out to me to post it for you. And I'm more than happy to share that. We started a super good thread going on Facebook on tips to help your husband and yourself who might be having a hard time. And I wanted to share that post with you. My husband has retired from playing his seventh professional season. I always knew the transition away from his playing career would be a rocky time in our lives, but I think it made it even worse by the situation surrounding it. COVID ended the season without warning, and he didn't get a chance to really digest that he had played his last game or to prepare for his last time on the ice. He struggled with a lot of serious injuries over the year, so that's contributed to his decision. He's still going to be involved in the hockey world in his future career, and he's already started working. He has days where he loves what he's doing and days where he's just really angry. The angry days are more common. He misses the simplicity of training and playing and is struggling with the long days and lack of physical activity. I do not know how to support him. His mental health is really poor right now and he's refusing my suggestions to see a therapist, 
to help him digest everything that's been happening in his life lately. It's affected our relationship a lot and even his parenting style. He's been helping way less and doesn't seem that interested in family life. He's so caught up on what he's lost. Does anyone have any advice for for me to help him go through this transition? It's been a really rough few months over here. And gosh, I just, when I read that message, it honestly broke my heart. I, I can only imagine what that will be like when the time comes. And I'm sure that some of you that are listening right now, she probably took the words right out of your mouth for how you're feeling in your situation. And if you want to find that thread, you can just search my name in the Facebook group and it should come up since I posted it for her anonymously. Like I said, there was just some really good suggestions and tips on that. From this thread, Stephanie Hyde, who is my guest today, reached out to me about coming on the podcast and I am so happy that she did. You guys, this conversation was amazing and I left feeling so inspired. Talking to her was so therapeutic and everything she said, I felt like she was really speaking to my soul, like no joke. And Stephanie's husband, Chris Hyde, had a career-ending injury that forced him to retire and that was just kind of the beginning of this onward spiral. And after multiple doctors telling him he was fine and him clearly knowing he was not fine, they struggled big time to get answers and for him to really start feeling better again. Chris went on to study to become a mental strength coach and offers his services to players around the world. This episode is so freaking good, you guys. I cannot wait for you to listen. And I just really hope that our conversation today can help someone that is listening and may need some support right now. You can never have enough resources and support systems when it comes down to retirement and hockey. And Stephanie, I'm really glad you're here today to shed some light on this topic that we all have either gone through or will go through at some point within our lifetime. And thank you so much for coming on today. I am super excited and I'm, I, I hope I can, yeah, really shed some light and help one or two girls out or a couple of husbands on the way. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely on the other side of things. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to say there is light at the end of the tunnel, right? How are you guys doing post-retirement and living life outside of hockey? We're, we're doing really good. I mean, um, I think it is definitely a weird time when you transition, but we've been out of, you know, my husband playing hockey. He's now back coaching, but out of the active hockey phase for like seven years almost six years um and yeah I we were just talking about it last night um when I was trying to you know mentally prepare <laughs> what I should say here so I can <laughs> get most out of it and we said we feel like hockey was almost just like the start to our life but not the focus of our life like it just catapulted us in what we're really meant to do so it's been pretty good but that didn't come without any hiccups right like it was a <laughs> it was a little bit of a rough ride for a couple of years um, yeah. but that was because we were in a very um specific situation I don't want anyone to get scared and be like oh my god now she said a couple of years what are we in for 
It doesn't have to happen. Maybe I'll have a couple of tips for you and then it's going to be a lot smoother than it was for us. (laughs) Well, I love that outlook on that. And yeah, I mean, I think that's just to be expected when you're transitioning to retirement that it's going to be hard, right? It's been their life for so many years and then it just comes to a halt. Kind of like you guys, you really had no time to fully prepare for the retirement. You really didn't know that it was going to happen. So backtracking to a few years before your husband was actually retiring, will you tell me just a little bit about what you guys were going through at that time? Yeah, of course. Um, So maybe a little bit of a backstory. So in case you haven't picked up on it yet, I'm German. (laughs) I I hear I have a Scandinavian or a French Canadian accent a lot, but I am actually from Bavaria in Germany. Um, And I met my husband when he came over here to play. He's from BC, Canada, and he landed in my hometown after a little quick stop in Berlin that wasn't very enjoyable for him. (laughs) That's a different story. Um, And I met him actually going out. I had no idea about hockey. I mean, I'm a German girl. I kind of grew up around soccer and um, I haven't met two, um, two of his teammates before, like months before in a bar here. And then one of them introduced me to my husband and yeah, it started there. Three months later, we're like an item. <laughs> and then he, he whisked me away. So I, I do have a degree in business. I could have an MBA. And when I met him, I was just handing in my last thesis and um, he played for another year in my hometown and then he signed somewhere else across the country and I had wanted to get out of I I live in a beautiful town we live there now in Regensburg between Munich and Nuremberg but I had wanted to you know go out in the world and explore and that was a perfect opportunity so I went with we got engaged we got married we had a daughter (laughs) so the regular thing switched a couple teams during these years and yeah and then my husband, my husband's health started declining. Um, he is um, a stay-at-home defenseman or was a stay-at-home defenseman. He was never the guy that scored the goals. It was an ongoing joke when he was still playing that, you know, oh, is this the goal, the one goal you have per season? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. So he did kind of like the dirty work, I would say. I mean, guys do all the dirty work, but he was a guy, he was very good at blocking shots from what people say. I still to this day don't understand much about hockey. So. And you know what? That's important. My husband's a defenseman too, and he will block a shot for anyone. So it's, that's such an important role, regardless if you're scoring or not. It is. And I mean, I think he always had a lot of respect around his teammates, but he was never, you know, the the player that was on the the billboards or the <laughs> one that fans were like, oh, Chris, hi, Chris, hi. You know, like if you saw the jersey, it was actually like, did this guy get screwed over and they ran out of the good ones or so so that was his role and he played pretty physical he's um he's a taller guy he's not a monster but he um what is he i I always think in in centimeters i think he's six foot three and you know muscular um when he still played so he ended up getting over the course of i'd say five or six years he had five concussions um the first one we kind of brushed under the rug he was you know had a headache for a couple days and felt fine again, kept playing. That was a long time ago, like 12, 13 years ago. And then he ended up having, we think he had one in a season where we played in Augsburg, um, Germany, but he went to the hospital because he was dizzy and no one could figure it out. 
backtracking, we do think he had one, but since the German hospitals still to this day, unfortunately, don't know a lot about concussions, mm -hmm. no one really gave him proper treatment. They just put him on a lot of steroids and said, good luck with that. Um, and then he went and had back-to-back -back concussions when, right before I got pregnant with our daughter, we were in Ingolstadt, Germany, and he had one on the 23rd of December. I remember that because those were the games right before Christmas or around Christmas. And he had one on the 26th, and he was never the same after. He, um, he was really, really feeling it. The, they took a CT scan and the coach looked at him and they're like, well, there's nothing on the CT scan, so you can play. Like, uh, and if you don't play, you're not going to have a contract. I'm sure one of the other of the ladies listening has heard that before. Mm -hmm. We found out I was pregnant. And so he ended up playing and, you know, it's part of our story. He ended up playing, I think it was 10, 12 games in playoffs um, the next, you know, spring that he does not remember any of the games, like none. He has no recollection where he was, who he played, how many minutes he was in the ice. Um, and then he went and, you know, felt really, really bad for, yeah, a good year. He couldn't see out of one eye. We went to one doctor to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and But he kept playing because I had a little kid at home. Like I also got a degree in translating and I did translating on the side. I still to this day do it for the hockey wives. You know, I'm a certified um, translator. <laughs> so anyone... no, okay. Oh, do you? <laughs> I can put a stamp on anything in Germany. So if you need like a marriage certificate translated or whatever, I still do that from time to time when oh, I have wow. time. Um, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't pick up the paycheck by any means. I had been out of, I've never really worked with my two degrees fully because I met him right when I graduated and we mm -hmm. were moving around. And in the summer I was in Canada and, you know, the German employers wouldn't be like, oh, great, you're early thirties. You have a kid. You probably want another one. Let, let us take you on and pay you good money. <laughs> That's not how it happened. Um, yeah. So he kept playing, kept playing and um, tried to brush it under the rug. And then the bad day that ended everything happened and I remember the day too because we're still fighting with the insurance company seven years later no um, oh yeah um I think it's kind of like I think it's the standard you just have to stick with it we'll see where it leads um but he got his last concussion on December 4th 2013 and he's never played since um it was <laughs> It was such a joke, too, because it was a friendship game. He didn't even hit his head. He just bumped into another player shoulder to shoulder, I think. And he just snapped his head back, kind of like whiplash. And that was it. And then, yeah, and there we were um, on the other side of the country again, close to Frankfurt and Bad Nauheim, um, going through the doctor visits. No one can see anything. No one can help anything. Oh, you don't have bleeding on the brain. You're fine. Um, but he wasn't, he couldn't take the dog for a walk without feeling like he's falling over. He was like super emotional and he's a very, very even keel guy. If you know him, um, he's he, the only time he ever cries is at random people's weddings, <laughs> which is an awful <laughs> joke too, but he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a very, he has a big heart, but he's very chill and nothing like really phases him. And I'd be stressing out and he'd be like, just relax Steph you know that that's the type of guy he is and he was not himself he couldn't sleep he couldn't see he was constantly dizzy he certainly couldn't play um yeah and there we were and he was like I think that's it I don't I don't know how to recover from this I, I no one's gonna help me the team basically kicked us out of the apartment 
um, we ended up back here with my mom and lived in my childhood room with an 18 month old and a dog for about three months. We found a lawyer that could help us a little bit. The first company that we used didn't do anything other than just say, well, good luck. He went and got a couple of tests done through the insurance company that said that he has psychological issues and he's scared of playing hockey and that's why he's dizzy. Um, and so we ended up finding um, an organization, it's called Stop Concussions, um, based out of North America with Kerry Goulet. And he was the first one that said, no, like Chris was on the phone with him and said, no, it, you have post-concussion syndrome most likely. You need to get checked and you need the proper help, but we can get you better. So he ended up flying over to Guelph, Ontario and went through, um, I think, 10 days at a concussion clinic, shift concussions. And he was 75, 80% better. I, he is still never going to be able to play hockey again because now, six, seven years later, we've had a lot of tests done. He has um, peripheral damage to his eye, like to his optical nerve that is irreversible. So he has double images and he needs to wear glasses for, you know, working on the computer for longer. But um, I mean, he hasn't, we have a new normal. We know how to live with it. We know what he, what kind of symptoms he gets if he's exposed to things that trigger it. You know, if he, if he would go on a roller coaster, he'd probably feel dizzy for a couple of days, but he knows where it's from. He's not panicking about it, but yeah. So we were set after this. We were like, <laughs> WTF like what are we gonna do we we I wanted to first of all get him better that was the number one priority and then we were looking at the stats and I mean I am from Germany he's from Canada he does have dual citizenship but he his German was okay but it was never at a level where he could just sign up for a job um, plus he wasn't feeling well enough for a job but money needed to come from somewhere we were not the you know he was never the player that had the big ticket um, contracts he was not the guy that made like you know 150,000 on a team he had years where he barely made anything um so we started losing um, a lot of money by just also putting our own money into treatments and so we we're like okay what are we gonna do and we had to scramble and we kind of packed up the most important things flew to Canada and thought we're gonna just be there for a couple of years because we have a, a condo in, in Kamloops where my husband's from and we had his parents there and my German and English is better than his languages combined to work in Germany. But I didn't have any residency yet. I didn't have a work permit and I had a kid that was not even two. So yeah, that was, that was what we were presented with. But I'm happy to say we're all good now. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. That's, there's so many challenges. I mean, that keep coming at you. And sometimes it's like, how do we get through this, you know, and you depend on these doctors to give you answers. And that's just so frustrating that they weren't able to say anything. It's almost like they were brushing you guys off and sending you on your way. And it's like, no, there's something wrong. And we need to know what's going on. Like, this isn't who he is. And I'm sure that was really hard as a wife to watch your husband almost have a different like personality and not have answers very heartbreaking to see that you know he was so hard on himself because first of all he was like why am I feeling this way he started really questioning like his own sanity too because people kept telling him oh you're just scared of playing hockey and he I remember him calling me after an appointment saying like Steph do you really think I have like 
mental issues. And I was like, no, you don't. You just feel like shit. And, and that's why you're dizzy. And that's why you're frustrated. I think it's a normal reaction. And that was hard to see. And he had to fight his way back to, you know, he couldn't work out for six months. And any of the guys, like they can probably relate. They need that. They need to feel like, you know, okay to just go for a run or, you know, work out lightly in the gym. And he was putting on weight because he couldn't work out. And that frustrated frustrated him. And yeah, it was it was hard to see. I felt bad for him because there's not much I could personally do other than just, you know, fight for him like a lion, call people up and and be the person that, you know, I have the nickname of amongst a couple of friends. I'm they call me Steph Dog because I like to bark. <laughs> So, uh, so I, I, I just, I put that to use and I so just, I don't want to mess with you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Only if someone really, really, really pisses me off for multiple times. <laughs> don't piss this girl off. <laughs> That's so hard. It was, it was really hard and, and feeling like you have no control over things. So but, when he had that last concussion, did you guys know that like, this is it, we're done? He did. He said he he was in, so he played in Bad Nauheim, but they played Frankfurt, um, which was in a different league, I believe, at the time. So it was just a friendship game. And he said he got the hit. He went into the locker room and he sat there and he started crying because he's like, that was my last shift. Oh, he knew it. That breaks my heart. I know. It's so terrible. <laughs> but... I mean, knowing what we know now and seeing where we are now, it's all good. And those lessons really taught us so much the last 10 years. Um, we have a totally different outlook on life. We were never the people that were just like, oh, we're the shit. And, you know, we're like, oh, life is just awesome. Like we always appreciated things. But ever since then, I adopted the the motto that everything in life happens for a reason and everything that might be a hardship could also be something that sets you up for something better you know mm -hmm. and that's, I think what it was it was it was he knew he said he knew I kind of knew too I was almost hoping that you know this was it so we can just get him better because he had been struggling for a while mm -hmm. it, yeah it's I was literally just about to say everything happens for a reason before you said that and I know that sounds kind of cliche but honestly I mean, something could have happened where he could have had a, you know, he kept playing and then something even worse could have happened or oh, yeah. he would they never have been the same. So it's like, they told us that after when we met Carrie, he said that um, time where he played after the second concussion um, back to back, he most likely had second impact syndrome and he could have actually died if he got another concussion because your brain shuts down. And that was something that was hard for me for a while. Like when I thought back on that, like he could have died and I was pregnant three months. Like for something as, I'm sorry, but as stupid as a hockey game, I know they all love it and it's important and it's our life. But when in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important. Mm -mm. Your health is so much more important and it's, I cannot imagine that happening. I mean, my, my husband's had a couple of concussions and when that does happen or when they do get injured, you, you have this sense of when it happens to the, to the brain, you know, it's, oh gosh, I don't that's, know. If that's I... what Chris always says, you know, I mean, if he, he also broke pretty much every other bone in his body, like most of them do. <laughs> um, like it's a, it's an ongoing joke too, that like he can't 
point his fingers straight anymore because he has a plate in the one and he has broken uh, the other one multiple times so they're all crooked <laughs> and um, he has like a huge scar on his shoulder and he broke his ankle I feel like 455 times but the head you only have once and if it's not working properly you know he's he's trying to he has his moments where he's scared of CT and um, I always say like for, don't worry about it now by the time you might have some issues and 10, 15 years, medicine will be so much more advanced. You just mm -hmm. can do what you can do right now. You can't worry about if, when, and but. Like, we just have to make the most out of it right now. Um, but yeah, it's the brain is uh, very valuable and you don't want to mess with it too much. Will you tell me a little bit about you and your husband's background with mental health? Of course. Yeah. So, see, this is when I, when I say, you know, you never know why things happen or things happen for a reason we truly believe both of us what we've gone through we had to go through so we can embark on this journey of we, we're really really passionate both of us about you know helping others uh, because we can relate because we've hit rock bottom because we know what it feels like but we we were fortunate enough to get ourselves out of it and we want to show people that you can and there's a way and you just need to ask for some help. And yeah, so my husband, <laughs> this is the funny turn in the story. Um, we were in Canada and he has a friend that is a, has a painting company. And he said, hey, buddy, you can always work with me. And he went and worked with him for two days and he had to quit because he physically at that time still, he couldn't do the hard labor. So we sat there and we're thinking back and forth. And then we got a call from our lawyer that we might have a case with the insurance company for retraining. So we packed up our shit again. <laughs> we flew back to Germany. We lived with my mom for another three months, which was fantastic. Um, found a place. I found a job through a friend. Um, wasn't my dream job. It was in a shipping company, but it paid pretty well. And it was at least something, you know, to fall back onto while we were figuring out what, what's going to happen for him. And he ended up, um, he ended up getting retraining but here's the problem he has a high school degree from bc and he took a couple college courses i believe in um, washington state when he played there uh, but he doesn't have a levels um, that qualify him for university here in germany but he also didn't want to do any like desk job like he was interested in coaching sports sports mm -hmm. psychology that kind of stuff i don't think so any of our husbands or boyfriends want to work a desk job like <laughs> going from hockey to sitting behind a desk just no way could you even no, imagine he, he would be miserable <laughs> so he he was looking and we by another accident completely complete accident stumbled upon this program that was going through the university of salzburg but since he had so much you know job experience in the field of sports they allowed him to just have a lesser degree but still go into the university program and it was literally a whirlwind so we're still going through trial and error tests reports from the insurance company a year later my in-laws had visited and we were <laughs> in disneyland in paris when we get a call oh well um you're probably going to get a pension which we haven't, that's a different story because they took it back. Um, and you are getting retraining. That was Monday. On Wednesday, we sat in the office of the insurance company saying, okay, we're going to pay for a retraining for you. And on Saturday, he started his schooling and he went down to Austria. So he went through a program that um, 
trained him for two and a half years with, you know, present seminars and homeschooling, which was great for him um, because of his brain. He can't sit in a, in a class setting for too long because it's too hard on him. Mm-hmm. Um, that made him into a academic certified mental strength coach. So it's not like just a weekend course. It's actually two and a half years of work and you have to write a thesis Wow. And yeah, take tests, and he did it all in German. <laughs> which wow, was that's amazing! Horrible. It was horrible in the beginning. The first week, I remember he called me and he said, "I don't know what's going on. Everyone in my classroom is crying because they're doing this intervention, and I'm the only <laughs> one not crying because I don't understand what they're saying." <laughs> um, and then he said, everyone's singing right now. I don't know why. But after, you know, the first two or three weeks of those on um, present seminars, he started really like seeing how he could help people. He was like, you know what? It sucked the first two weeks. <laughs> but I really, he had an aha moment where he was like, man, if I would have known all these things as a hockey player, I would have been so much better, not just because of the concussions and dealing with them, but in general, like he got, you know, you, you're the prospect. He, he, he was drafted. He never played. He broke his back. He broke his ankle, blah, blah, blah. Went to the minors, came to Germany, was like the number eight D men and his confidence declined and declined and declined. And if he would have had all the tools that he knows now and that he can teach now, he knows that he would have had a lot more fun at least I don't know if it's been a bigger paycheck necessarily but he would have had a lot more fun playing mm-hmm. so yeah he got that degree done I'm really really proud of him for doing that especially with you know his capabilities he can't focus on things too long he would go to those classes for a week and then be wiped out for two like would just sleep non-stop because it was too much brain overload mm-hmm. but now yeah now he's a certified mental coach and um he, it's funny, he literally just launched um, a program because he, he had been helping, you know, players privately in, in sessions for a while now, but everyone was like asking, what do I do now? Like with this pandemic, like I want to work on my game, but I can't go to the rink or I, I feel like I'm losing my confidence or blah, 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 blah. And so he spent the last six months actually during this crazy pandemic to put um, together an online course. Um, he created an online course that helps basically with anything that he can think of, you know, mental strength, um, just being confident, being resilient, getting over mistakes, being anxious about stuff or even depression and that kind of thing. Um, it's six weeks. You can take it at your own time. You just have to log in online, like download it, purchase it, download it. And, and, it can help with anything that you could think of as a hockey player, just from the mental side. And so, yeah, that's, he just did. And I'm really, really proud of him because it was a lot of work for him. And it was the guy that doesn't do the desk job, right? (laughs) It was a lot of that kind of stuff. So I just hope it can benefit people, you know, that they can go into the next season, whenever that will be (laughs) Um, confident and just ready to, to get going. I love that. I'm proud of him and I don't even know him. That's so amazing. (laughs) And I think that like, I don't know. And this is just my own opinion, but I feel like as women, like we're more open to talking about when we're struggling with mental health or we can reach out to a friend, but men, like they really just shove that under the rug, especially if you're with kind of a less emotional guy, they're not wanting to 
put all, put all this like on the table and be like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling, you know, I can't let go of this mistake I made in the last game. And it's really just, like you said, kind of beating at my confidence. And so being able to have that knowledge and skill to help people is amazing. And I hope that people can use that as a resource to help themselves. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, this is what we embarked on. Like it really all started out with Chris wanting to just help people, um, you know, feel better because he's been there. He, he was a hockey player. He's been through all of the confidence things for sure. He's been through the health struggles. He's been through the depressed and anxious and anxiety phases because of the concussion. Sometimes that's just what it does to you. He got out of it, but it's just important to us for people to know that they're not you're not by yourself and guys as you said they're so they don't want to admit it and I think a lot of us women or like wives we we want to help them but we don't even really know how to approach that and I'm just hoping with Chris having that you know the double thing that he's been there and he's the hockey guy and he can relate to the lingo and he can he's not gonna talk properly like a sports psychologist he's gonna you know cuss and chirp and and swear (laughs) and whatnot but he also does have the skill and I've seen him help people and it's amazing like he's not allowed to ever really treat me because you're not supposed to do that with family members and I don't think it will work like he's tried to give me some guided meditations because sometimes I'm a little high strung and all I do is start laughing (laughs) because I just can't take it seriously because of our relationship but he has all those tools and they're amazing and they're so simple too like it's not a crazy thing to change your mind and to change your you know inside thinking into becoming a happier and better person Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just really hope that, that that some guys can, you know, get over themselves and their ego and just go up to Chris. And even if they just want to have a quick chat, I mean, they don't have to, you know, book 15 sessions with him or anything, but just, he's always going to give you guidance and be like, I think this would be great for you. I think this is great for you. Maybe don't do that. Um, yeah, just literally reach out to him he's more than happy to help it's he has a really big heart and he's had guys that he played with too that it's still haunts him that you know they they died because they probably had some inner demons and it's hard for him to see and he all he wants to do is help because he never he was never super super you know suicidal or anything but he's been in dark places we've both been I mean I'm the first to admit I've been through a lot of my own mental health issues over the years and and that's why I am so passionate myself about you know being there for people and there is ways out it might just not be the here take this one pill and you're good forever but there is definitely certain ways that you can help yourself and and feel better about yourself. I was actually listening to this podcast the other day and they were talking about how people are so quick to say, okay, I'm going to go pay for this gym membership or this, you know, boutique Mm -hmm. membership at Cycle Bar or Soul Cycle or whatever. And I'm going to pay to go get a massage or a facial because that's self-care. I'm going to go to the chiropractor, but people don't want to spend money on their mental health. Why? There's such a stigma, but it's the most important thing that you should be spending money on or let alone just getting help and and taking the time to work on it. Yeah. And I think, I think what people have to understand too is, I mean, I I've been there. Like when I was a lot younger, I, 
I suffered a lot from anxiety and panic attacks, which I didn't even know at the time that's what it was. I just mm -hmm. felt weird. Um, and I stumbled upon a book before we went to, to a, like we went to Las Vegas. We usually go every year. This is the first year we were breaking the streak. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just looked at a book at Barnes and Nobles or whatever, while my husband was picking out something else to read. Um, and I realized, Oh, wow. I'd actually, am, I have anxiety and panic attacks and that's why I feel so weird but I think people when they don't know yet they also assume that it is going to be this huge process that you maybe spend thousands and thousands of dollars on session over session over talking over you know like getting better when it doesn't even have to be that way there's a million things that can play into mental health not mm -hmm. just your mind it could be imbalances in your body it could be hormonal imbalances it could be intolerances it could be i don't know a bad sleep pattern it could be you missing a couple vitamins as simple as that and you you take something for three months for 50 bucks each month and you feel a million times better it's it's easy just reach out try to do a little bit of research anyone feel free to ever contact me like i've literally tried everything under the sun um, <laughs> I've had my fair share of like trial and error. I'm never going to just tell you do this. I'll just present what I've been through and it might be a really quick fix. And if not, if it's really just more like a head thing, then like with Chris, for example, I think he offers a first consultation. He had to start like offer them for prices because people would like kept talking to him. And he's like, well, I kind of only have 24 hours in the day too. And I was like, yeah, you need to charge something. <laughs> but I think it's like the first consultation is like only a couple dollars. Like it's not expensive. And then you can still decide, does this make sense? Do I want to do more? I know Chris has helped people with like 10 sessions to completely change their game. Reach out. You're not going to be down, down the, the hatch with like five grand for anything. Um, but take care of it. It's really important. And what's important too about mental health is not only do you not need to feel like crap every day, <laughs> you don't deserve that, but it is gonna, if you feel good and if you feel sharp and if you feel confident, it's gonna catapult your life ahead so much more than just dragging everything with. You have so much more energy for the things that are really important and meaningful in life. Absolutely. Yeah. You're so inspiring. I'm just listening to that. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Really though, I mean, like it's it's inspiring to hear that, and you are also a mental health coach as well, right? Well, not no, I would I'm not I wouldn't call myself a mental health coach. Um, I I don't have a degree in anything. Um, not like Chris, like he's the he's the pro. Okay. I I'm more interested in mental health because I've been through a lot with it myself, and mm -hmm. I I have more of like a I'd say like more like a lifestyle approach. So I was, I was, I have an MBA, I never worked with it, you heard the story. And then I myself fell into an industry, direct selling network marketing, mainly because I just, you know, liked the stuff and I wanted a cheaper deal. <laughs> like most people start, I, I was not thinking about, you know, making money with it or whatever. Um, but I kind of fell in love with the idea at the time when I started over six years ago that I have, you know, my future in my own hands and I'm not. I'm such a free spirit in a sense. I never realized that because I've come from a very conservative household, but I realized that over the last years that I just, I have a hard time being like put 
like in a certain spot and like you have to stay there. Um, I just had a tough time with, you know, having an employer and having to put in my, my working hours and my holiday, like 10 months ahead of time. And then the talking and it just never worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me the opportunity to just, you know, create my own life. And along the way, what really did it for me was, and that's where, where this whole lifestyle coaching, I would say comes in. I ended up, you know, having how it is with those network marketing things, you build teams and you meet new people and you have customers. And I started really loving that I could help people feel better by just, you know, asking a couple questions and being there for them and having them be able to vent or feel, I was in the industry of selling jewelry. Um, Stella and Dot was a company. A lot of the girls probably know it. Um, and it was nice to see that people just had a nice evening and they felt better because they got like a pair of earrings as dumb as it sounds. And I, through my team that I had, I had over 180 team members at the end. Um, I, I got to see so many people gain confidence just because I was there and I was their cheerleader and I, I helped them and I told them it's okay when you fail. And because I've been on the other side of things and I got myself out of it, I think people were like getting the confidence that they can do it too. And so this is what I'm after now. And to, to wrap my little, <laughs> my little um, professional thing up, I, I was really successful with Stella and not. Um, and then they decided to leave the European market last year, unexpectedly. Um, and it was my full-time career. Like I, I made a good amount of money. I wasn't rich, but I, it was what I did every day for three and a half years. Um, I quit my job for it, my regular job. And yeah. And then they were gone. And then I took on a corporate role with a different company um, that was, seemed like the logical step. I could work from home, but it was not my thing. It was, as I said, I like to be free. I like to (laughs) make my own decisions. And I quit that job, which was a very well-paid job. And everyone was like, what are you doing, Steph? But I was like, nope, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. If you're not happy, it's not worth it. Um, Quit it, not knowing what I did, read a lot of books, did a lot of soul searching. I was like, something's going to present itself. And it did because I ended up on the other side of things again. And now I'm uh, partnered with a company that does actually focus on, you know, products that do help with mood disorders and, you know, feeling not so great. And so this is like a perfect fit for (laughs) what I want to do anyways with my life. So uh, I just try to help people, you know, feel their best from a body and mind standpoint now. But I'm not a mental coach like Chris is. I'm not trained. I have more people skills and life experience. (laughs) Right. But you're passionate about it. And that's important. And it seems like you are willing to like listen to people and offer your advice and offer your experience. So that can be really valuable as well. Obviously, my husband is not retired, and someday we will have to transition into that. And I, I have a lot of empathy for people that are going through that. And I think, like, with COVID and people kind of sitting around and waiting for contracts and not really sure if one is going to come and might having to accept the fact that they're going to have to retire, it's just been a weird year for a lot of people. And I think people are really trying to find ways to deal with it. So, I posted on my Instagram when I was letting everybody know that we were going to be talking about retirement and I got a lot of questions for you and I want to just kind of throw those at you if that's okay. And (laughs) I hope I can answer them. (laughs) Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that people get their questions answered and 
So I actually have a question for you before we start. Yes, please. I guess questions, <laughs> but I think a lot of the time, like we focus on, like the guy is going through these changes, right? Like the guy mm-hmm. is going through retirement and how do we support them? But I want to ask about you because I think like you said, you were a newer mom when you were going through all of these hard times and how did that, like, how were you able to get through that and what are some of the emotions and feelings that you were feeling during that time? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have a playbook for really how to get through this. I, I remember times right before we moved or kicked out of that place that we stayed in in Badenauheim. I just still can't, I can't think about this place with a loving heart. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, but I know people love it there, some some of them, and, and that's fair too. But yeah, I remember sitting in that place right before we left, and I was crying, and I, I actually Googled what is my purpose in life, because I was that desperate. I never fully, you know, I was never, and no, no judgment, but I was never that hockey, hockey wife. Like, I supported my husband, I went to the games, I had my wine, I was chatting, I was dressing up, I, you know, did the wife things, but... I wasn't like my personality or my identity wasn't attached to being a hockey wife because, you know, I met him, I had a degree. I met him in my hometown the first year. I didn't even go to many games or any of the functions because it was my hometown. Why would I hang out with people I just met? Um, But you, you are in that bubble. You have for years, you've picked up and moved and left. And a lot of your friends back home too, don't get it. You know, you try to explain it to them why you can't just hang out on a Saturday because he has a game on Sunday and they're like, but but why it's the weekend. So you, you are in that bubble and all of a sudden it bursts and, and you're like, who am I? What do I do? What, what do I want out of life? In my position, I was fortunate in a sense that we had so many fires going that I was just like on taking down fire mode, like get him help, get him there, get him there. And I really didn't even have time to think about, hey, where do I see myself in six months or a year? Or does this make me happy? It was literally just survival mode. But I I think it's hard for girls to even just the camaraderie between the wives like I would always be crushed if we left the team and you have made friends and you stay in touch with them but everyone probably can relate you're on a different team you're on a different schedule and you don't talk for three months um so when that happened too I think that was one of the reasons for me why I fell into that whole network marketing thing because all of a sudden I kind of had like my little tribe again, you know, of girls that were supporting me even though they didn't know me and I just met them and we got along and we had similar interests. So I think for for the women, my my advice would be to just really, first of all, think about what makes you happy and what what other things that light you up. And if it's as silly as like, doing crochet, I don't care. Uh, But something that gives you, I'm like obsessed with Pinterest and having Pinterest boards with mountains and I've never hiked in my life. Um, But things like that, that give you joy and pleasure, look into those and then try to figure out how that can be a hobby or how that can be a direction for you. Because if we all know, if we're not happy, the husband's not happy. And if he's going through it and you're pouting and moping, it ain't going to help anybody. Um, so I think being a little prepared, doing a couple of things, reading some books, 
writing down simple things like that excite you just to give you a direction of what you're interested in. I remember I came up with, and it's funny how that went full circle for me or full circle because at the time it didn't seem like it. But one of the things I wrote down, I still have that paper, was that I like helping people. And I didn't know how that's going to, you know, manifest. I knew I'm not going to go into nursing because I, you know, can't see people throw up and stuff. I have a phobia. <laughs> but I knew I wanted to help people in what one way, shape, form or something. And, and that's a good start. Think about the things that make you happy. And then try to slowly develop an idea of what that could do, hobby or business-wise. I love that. Do you feel like you ever... I mean, obviously you, you carried the weight kind of of your husband's emotions, but do you ever feel like that affected you emotionally and that made you feel oh, yeah. down and depressed? And how, and, and how did you guys be able to put in that effort for each other? Like, was that happening or was it just kind of like you said survival mode? And we, one thing we were very blessed with from the beginning of our relationship is that we have a very strong relationship. We don't really fight how yeah, we have an argument here and there, or, you know, he has a couple beers too many and he's annoying and I don't <laughs> off, but, um, but we don't really, we never have power battles. We don't have to outpower the person. We, Chris never, when I picked up the pieces and I was kind of like the breadwinner for a little bit, of course it was like hard on him because he wanted to help, but it didn't have an ego about it. He appreciated it. He, um, he was still grateful and our relationship, we never really had to work on because we knew how much we love each other and how much we're going to be there for each other and have our backs. But it was, it did take a toll on me. I mean, I've had two burnouts already. Um, that's part of my mental health journey because, and that's something that I had to learn, especially in the last year, actually, that you want to help people, but you have to take care of yourself too. You can't just always be there for the husband, for the kids, and for the 800,000 team members you have. You have to also take the half an hour for a walk for yourself. Or, you know, I'm not a bath person, but maybe take a bath and drink a glass of red wine. Um, and, and so it, it, it did take a toll on me but it didn't have to knowing what I know now. It seems like you were really good at not taking it personally and just no. knowing like this is, this is temporary and we will find our way out at some point. I, I actually cannot tell you where I have that from, but I have this thing inside of me that I'm just not going to fucking give up. I just, I'm not. I, if you present me with something, I might be upset. I might be moping and pouting. But I'll be grinding my teeth and I'll be like, nope, not today. Not today, Satan. <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll get back up and I worked towards something. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, I have a tattoo that says relentless and that's what it is. I just am not going to quit. Good luck trying. And, and that's what kept me going. Sometimes to an extreme of exhaustion, which is not good either, but no, I'm not just going to back down. I don't know where it comes from, but <laughs> it's just what I do. Good for you. Oh, and that comes from your life experiences, I'm sure, you know. I've seen things can turn around and as grim as they can look, you can be in a completely different space six months later. Yeah, absolutely. So something that I'm noticing about these questions that keep coming up is mm -hmm. that wives are not wanting to be naggy, pushy, offensive, 
those words keep coming up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I support my husband without blank, without blank? So that's a good place to start. I think like how to provide the proper mental support for your husband without being naggy. Well, I think <laughs> I, I must, I have a strong personality and I've, I think everyone's equal and my husband's always appreciated that. <laughs> thank God. Um, but I feel like the girls that, that are worried to be naggy, no, you're not going to be naggy. You're going to care. You care for your husband because you love them and they can just put their big boy panties on and deal with it because it comes from a good place. It's not about saying like, oh, you need to find a job so I can buy my 18th Louis Vuitton purse. It's about, hey, I know you're struggling. This might be coming to an end. How can I help you? Because you would accept, expect the same out of you know them. They would, uh, asking questions and trying to be there for them and trying to guide them and, and help them be happy and find the next step in their life is not nagging. Don't be worried about that. If, if you're married or if you're a boyfriend and girlfriend and you love each other, you're allowed to ask tough questions and you're allowed to like, you know, say the uncomfortable things because it's the same way, the other way around. If just put yourself in, in the position that you were in that spot and your husband came up to you and said something, would you feel like he's nagging or would you feel like he just cares? Mm -hmm. that's I don't think there's a way, I, I don't think there's a way to nag. Just... Just say, listen, I want you to be happy and I want to be there for you. And I want you to, you know, figure out what is your logical next step where I see that you're struggling. How can we make this work? How can I help you? What can we do? Is there someone we could talk to? Would you like to talk to me? Have you talked to one of your guys on the team that you're good friends with? Those are all things that you can say. And then here's a little bit of my background from sales. If you really still feel like, ah, that's uncomfortable, make up a little white lie. <laughs> Just say that someone on another team, preferably where he doesn't know the guy super well, that he's not going to text him right after and say like, hey, listen, Andrea told me that Pete is really like struggling with this um, and she doesn't know how to approach it. Like, what should I tell her? I don't even know myself. And then you're going to figure out what he, what he likes to be approached by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it's, I don't, I wouldn't say that's like a bad thing to do because sometimes you're all out of ideas and you really want to help them. And sometimes they don't want to hear it from you. And so you need to take a different approach. And I think when it comes to being naggy in my head, I'm thinking that girls are feeling almost like their husband's not admitting something's wrong or they're kind of going, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong, but clearly something's wrong because you can tell in their day-to-day -day personality. And it is an adjustment. Like that's just to be expected. But I think from a female standpoint, it's like, let's, let's squash this problem and fix it because this is, yeah. this is a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to admit that there's a problem, like I can't live like this with the on end, you know, feeling down because it's bringing me down. It's bringing our home down, our family down. So I think, I think I got, I was just very fortunate because my husband's just never been that guy. Like, I mean, he's not like, as I said, the emotional sob baby, but he, he has no problem like crying at a wedding or he has no problem admitting that he has a problem. Um, but I was, I'm just hoping too, with what he has created, that guys feel like, oh, he's a cool dude. He's been through it. Maybe I'll just reach out because 
he's not he's not allowed to tell anybody right like if your husband called him tomorrow no one will know other than my husband and your husband because he it's almost like an oath that the doctors have he has to mm-hmm. confidential yeah it's confidential um so I'm hoping that is one of the things that guys maybe if the word spreads they're like well I'll just talk to this Chris Hyde dude and 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 hear what he has to say and he's not gonna judge um maybe that's easier than really admitting it to your wife or your buddies that you're like you know want to be the tough guy around but one of the things that's really hard and it's a hard lesson that I had to learn too not necessarily with my husband but in life is you can only help the people that want to be helped so you cannot make someone realize they have a problem if they think they don't have one it's a really really hard thing to do mm-hmm. so in that situation i would probably um deflect from saying hey i see you're not fine what is going i mean i know we women were like what's wrong well nothing wrong well, well i can see you're you're not happy <laughs> no and and stuff no but i can see like you you looked at me weird <laughs> like we're just <laughs> wired that way but maybe i would just try to really put it on myself and be like listen i know you said you're fine and i totally accept that but i just i feel like i can't help you enough i feel like i can't be there for you enough um i want you to know that you can talk to me about everything and i'm not going to judge and i just you know i want to feel happy myself how can we work on that so it's not on him right mm-hmm. it, he doesn't have to admit that it's his problem mm-hmm. yeah that's great being that's great advice a lot of, being exposed to a lot of guys coming forth saying hey this sucked this was terrible i hated that i wish i would have done that that's gonna help the especially stubborn ones but they have to make that move themselves all and and that's why it's probably the easiest to just say that you are struggling with it and you're trying to find a way how we can make this all work and you're not trying to put the pressure on them because most people want to help others so maybe that's a good starting point that they help their wives first another question was what are some hobbies that other retired guys get into that has helped them get through the transition are there any hobbies that your husband particularly enjoyed after hockey was over well my husband had the problem that he couldn't really do any physical activity because he would get dizzy for a week um so that was hard on him but um he says like i was talking to him about you know this kind of subject yesterday too and he says i think it's important for guys to stay active you know to pick up some something active i mean some guys are more into running other guys are more into golf um some guys are like more into gym stuff others are like i don't know more into starting a 10k um i think being active is a good hobby to 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 stay in but again just what are you excited about if you love going I'm just looking out my window because i live in the countryside and there's a huge tractor if you're <laughs> a farm guy and you want to ride a tractor and get in the grains and that gets you happy well then that's a hobby for you right there if you like to paint by numbers and it relaxes you <laughs> there's a hobby i think most guys i would think probably go into like a little bit of golfing or like oh a- i'm sure they do <laughs> Or like an eerie kind of hockey thing or, um, you know, maybe take up some soccer. Like my husband used to play soccer when he was younger before he really got into hockey stuff. I, I think active hobbies would be probably most beneficial because these guys are 
used to moving their bodies in I mean too many just retire and poof retirement yep. 15 <laughs> yeah I think too like finding a friend that wants to do that with you you know because mm. they probably do miss the you know how the guys talk and chirp and whatever yeah. and yes. I think that's a big problem for a lot of guys in the transition is they miss the locker room like that was the hardest for my husband by far it was not even not moving even though that was tough but the chirping like he would get so agitated after the end of summer and like chirp me the whole day that I was like shut up like this was like I, this is the 18th rude comment he's like oh sorry Steph like I just missed the guys you know and when you don't have that at all anymore that's hard he could mm -hmm. probably have done without the actual playing but the the guys stuff and you're gonna probably get that more in like a team setting right or yeah golf or whatever mm-hmm <laughs> oh my gosh I think every girl listening is probably like the golf party happens <laughs> let's find something else <laughs> my husband golfs so much in the summertime I just cannot imagine once he's retired how often he's going he he always jokes I'm gonna golf every single day when I'm retired and I'm gonna do all this stuff I'm like okay we'll see about that <laughs> I, my husband actually just took on a different hobby because he says he likes the solitude. It probably has to do with two kids. Um, he just started getting logs and finishing them for like night stands. It's like his new thing. Oh, cool. Like woodworking kind of? Just building stuff? <laughs> like, yeah, but it's, he's never done anything like that. We don't even have a workshop or anything, but he got himself a sander and he sits out there in the in the front yard and sands down the log and stains it and, and takes hours to do it. And then he puts it in a kid's room and he's happy. And now he's like, well, maybe I should sell these on eBay for <laughs> How do they look? <laughs> I think they look great. I mean, he's now, he's a perfectionist. The first one he did for our son, Freddie, is like, oh, I don't like how this looks. I should redo it. I'm like, it's fine. He's four. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm just looking down this list here. So how do they find a job that they are passionate about after? So I think just kind of circling around with what you've been saying is just make a list, find things that they're passionate about. And it might not happen right away. It might not happen for six months, you know, yeah. or even just recognizing that, okay, I need to get a job, but it doesn't have to be like forever, forever, like uh, just to bring in some income. And it might not be something that I want to do, but it could make some connections or it could, you know, benefit me mentally to just get out of the house, get away from the kids or whatever that is to like yeah. regroup. And then down the road, they'll really find something that they feel passionate about and something that they want to make a career and a living out of. I think my biggest advice for that thing is, um, I mean, obviously we did the same we had the same problem boom it happened and then then what um but I've been talking to so many friends that are still in hockey and where the guys are still playing and I'm kind of like actually nagging him like oh does he know what he wants to do after because the common misconception of for a lot of guys is like they're gonna play 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 but very 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 few go out on their own terms and even if it's not an injury it might just not be getting a contract and unless you've played in the NHL and you have you know saved 15 million in your bank account and money is not an issue you're gonna sit there and you're like shit what do I do now so I know they don't like to do that and this is probably harder than even talking to them about their emotions is to say hey what are you interested in 
just think about it during the season so we're not scrambling when the day comes you don't have to make any set decisions but just have the thought before it's five to twelve and then you're then you're scrambling and i think one of the things that is also a good idea is even if you have the freedom to like you know ha not have to work once you are out of the game for the next six months do a couple internships or visit your friends at home if you're like back home you know our friend has a painting company like go with them to work for a day or two even mm -hmm. if it's just that you're like fuck this is horrible i do not want to do this then at least you know that's not an option but i've seen it with so many people that played with us that all of a sudden retired and they end up with yeah a desk job or a job in a company and they hate it but mm -hmm. they have to because they were scrambling and they maybe had the idea of like oh i have all those connections because i'm a hockey player and when i played everyone was like oh buddy once you're retiring i have a job waiting for you that ain't gonna happen this the times have changed that's not how it works anymore unless your family has a family-run business those people once you're retired they're not going to answer your phone call. They're going to be like, no, we don't, we, we hired the guy with the MBA and not the hockey player. Mm -hmm. um, so just think about your options. What makes you happy? What excites you? What are you good at naturally? What are you drawn towards? And don't be scared if it's crazy. If you are a hockey player, but you always wanted to have a woodworking shop, <laughs> then do an internship for three weeks with someone while you're maybe on your summer holidays still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think just to build some work experience because a lot of guys, they don't go to college and then, you know, they don't have that under their belt. And so I think they fear, okay, well, I went straight to pro hockey. And now that that's over, I don't have any work experience. And so that would be a really good idea just to, again, make connections and learn yeah. something new that you might be interested in. And if you decide you're not interested in it after doing it, then fine. You just have that experience and now you can, it kind of pushes you to look for the next thing. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, just, just do something. The guys have so much free time still, really, when you think about it compared to regular jobs, like you go to the rink when there's a regular or whatever season we're going to have next, you go to the rink and then spend five hours a week on reading stuff, researching, talking to someone, getting someone that has retired and ask them some questions, it's not hard. It, instead of, you know, I don't know, playing Fortnite or listening to the 18th Spit and Chicklets podcast, <laughs> <laughs> just, just spend like an hour once every couple of days and, and figure things out while you can, while you have the freedom to do it. How did you deal with your husband being bored and life not being so routine? That was one of the questions. And I think like, with hockey, you literally have your schedule handed to you. You need to be at the rink at this time. And then we have lunch at this time. And then we have the game and you need to be at the bus at this time. That's over. They don't always have the time management skills to be able to figure out this new, you know, schedule and routine What's for themselves. Management for a hockey player? Like, please, we're still struggling with that to this day because... And, and I would be like, hey, so um, next week I have this meeting. Um, are you free? Uh, I think so. A day before. I, I, I have a talk with that person. Like, how hard is it to tell me more than 24 hours in advance? It's, it's <laughs> not rocket science. I think but, it's a guy thing, partially. Well, well, I don't blame them because me and my husband left home when he was 16 and someone always told him where to be at what time and what to do. So clearly that's a skill he needs to still develop. But um 
I think that's a tough one because what people have to realize too, when you go from hockey into a regular life, it's going to completely flip to the other side where you've gone all day and you have no time and you come home and you see your kids for an hour and you have to take a holiday day for, I don't know, a soccer game for your son or a ballet recital for your daughter, where before it was in the afternoon, your practice was done, you just go. Um, I think again a hobby and something that you're interested in can help and just you know this is kind of why we ended up also in the direction we are in why I didn't want to have a conventional job and why you know Chris now is back into hockey coaching and um, mental coaching is because we like the freedom it actually gave us with hockey that you don't work nine to five I don't judge people that do. If people love that, if that's your jam, by all means do it. But I, I want to live my life. I don't want to just work to live. Um, and so people have to be very aware of that too. And hockey ends that that's a very strong possibility that you're just going to be gone all day. Some might be like, yay, I don't have to see my kids and my wife, but <laughs> a lot of the people are used to that rhythm. And um, I don't know, just have fun little things planned out. Maybe, have a couple trips planned or if you have kids, that's a different thing Then you're naturally more structured anyways, because they have school or they have activities. But yeah, I would say, um, I would say a hobby. And so this is actually a perfect question for you. How does a couple from a different country decide where to live once retirement happens? Um, well, you know what? I think, I think actually I hate to break it to you, but I think the person or the people that asked that, I don't think there's a right answer to this. We, I mean, yeah, we had to scramble, as I said before, but we never just sat there and were like, hmm, so what are we going to choose? Are we going to live in Germany? Are we going to live in Canada? It just kind of happened. But we also thought for what I mentioned before, when we went to Canada, we thought we're going to live there for a few years and we changed our mind. And that's okay too. When people, let's say, are from Canada and the United States, for example, I think Germany and Canada is a more rare combination. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like that's that's even tougher with like two different continents. Yeah. Um, just pick something, and if it doesn't work, you can switch again. Just maybe don't buy $1.5 million mansions in either country and maybe just rent for a little bit and see if you like it. And if you don't, if you don't like the city you're in, if you feel like after six months or a year that it's not your crowd, it's not your circle, it's not your job, it's okay. You're allowed to change. I think that's what people are most scared about is to admit that didn't work and I'm going to pack up and do something else. Mm-hmm. Just pick whatever sounds good right now. And for us, what, what it came down to ultimately going from Canada to Germany was, A, my husband has dual citizenship. Um, so he has a passport for both countries. Uh, I don't. I now have still currently permanent residency. We'll see if I get another one for five years. Probably not. Um, and my kids now, now that I have two, they both have dual citizenship. And it was just the cost of living, to be quite honest, um, that kept us here because we looked into daycare for my daughter back then in Canada, and it would have been $1,200 for, I think, from 8 to 12. And here we had her in daycare since she was, yeah, little 
for like eight to three and it was like 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that right there was a, a difference. And I've, every time I go to Canada, I love Canada. I miss it so much right now that we're not going this year. But every time I go to the grocery store, I have a panic attack because the food is so expensive mm -hmm. and the cost of living, especially in BC where my husband is from and the, and the real estate, it's so expensive. So for us, it just made more sense to come over here in my dream, I would just like to go back and forth, you know, right. like have a house here, have a house there, get the good stuff from here, get the good stuff from there. <laughs> but yeah. that's just realistic. But just pick something and if it doesn't work, just switch it up. People pack up. I have a lady that is in the country, a company that I'm with right now. She has four kids and they just moved during a pandemic from Panama to Illinois. Like if she can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. That's a big move. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to go through like these hard times, these dark times to really have those epiphanies to figure mm -hmm. out what you want and where you want to be and how you yeah. handle life moving forward. It doesn't just, it's, you don't just wake up and snap your fingers and be like, okay. Too many people. And this is something that motivates me so much in life too, with like trying to help people settle for less than they deserve. You don't have to do that. No one needs to tell you that unless you have, you know, I mean, don't make the decision to sell your house and, and then sleep under a bridge. That might be not very smart. But other than that, things are figure outable. There's a solution for every problem and you don't have to stick with a shoe that doesn't fit anymore. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to grow. It's okay to realize what was great two years ago it doesn't work right now for our family, a dynamic, for our finances, for our happiness, and just change. And if that doesn't work again, then change again. People are so worried too, I think, about what the outside world, you know, perceives. I don't care if, I mean, my parents are still shaking their head that I quit that six-figure job <laughs> for going back into the field of network marketing. And my mom constantly asked me like, do you need money? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm 38. I'll be fine. Um, I, I know how to make money, but it doesn't matter if my mom thinks I'm an idiot for quitting my job. Well, I have to live with it, not her. Yeah. Just don't be scared of what other people think and do what's right for you. And don't worry about other people's expectations for yourself. I love your advice. Yeah. <laughs> you're... Help someone. Yeah, no, it, it definitely will. I think I'm even resonating with it. And I'm, you know, like I said, my husband's not retired, but I feel connected to what you're saying. And I think that just can apply to situations, whether you're retired or whether you're not, you know? Yeah, just uh, honestly, the one thing that I've learned in the last 10 years is that there is a solution for every problem. You just have to figure it out. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer and no one needs to stay where they are when it's not good for them. How has retirement benefited you? I think it really just kickstarted our life and what we're meant to do. Um, I, it was a rough start. <laughs> it was a struggle. And back then, if you would have asked me in like March, 2014, hey, how is retirement going? I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> Life's horrible. Um, but it has benefited me in a way that I really actually had to ask myself those tough questions. And I had to be honest with myself in regards to what truly is important to me, what truly matters and what 
what do I want to leave behind when, you know, when I get run over by a truck on the street? <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I think it has benefited us that we really actually figured out what, who we are besides, you know, the label of the hockey player and the hockey wife um, and what, what we're here for hopefully and what, what we want out of life. So the, it's actually really bright on the other side. You might have to go through a little bit of a tunnel first, but you might come out a lot brighter than you came in. So mm -hmm. it, it definitely has benefited us. I would have not wanted to miss all the hardships at all because I would have never figured out who I am and I it would have never molded me into the person that I am. And I truly hope the experience I can maybe, if I can only help one other person, then that was worth it. And that's why I, I know retirement was good for us. That's so true. It, you know, it, it is, isn't your whole life, right? It's a, it's a fraction of it. And then you move into the next chapter and then you start your life together and it's changing and evolving. And that was, I'm sure you guys will miss it, you know, looking back on oh, certain yeah. times and memories and people. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not a huge hockey person <laughs> I still don't know half of the players in the NHL like I'm I'm oh god who does <laughs> there's this there's this uh story about me when I started dating my husband and we sat all in um in a little bar here in, in my hometown and they were talking hockey stuff and they were kept talking about like players and they kept saying like oh Gretter here Gretter there and I remember I was got so frustrated and I was like who the fuck is Wayne Gretzky that didn't go over well. <laughs> Everyone stopped and they're like, can you please leave? <laughs> so like, I'm famous for not knowing anything about hockey. Um, uh, that's going to be still, like, that's going to be like the, the audio to your, to your picture. Oh, God, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> Mr. Gretzky. I know you were the greatest of all time now. I know I even know your number now and you were a wonderful player from what I heard. But I didn't know who you were. I grew up in Germany, southern Germany. <laughs> You're excused. <laughs> no, but but I still miss it. And I know my husband does. And it is a tough pill to swallow that when you, when your whole life you are like, I want to be a pro hockey player. I want to be drafted. I want to play in the NHL. I want to win a Stanley Cup. And the further you get away from that dream – and then it's done and you're like, who am I actually? I mean, he started skating when he was four. He left home at 16. He, the, his idea was not when he was seven years old that he's going to live in southern Germany with a German wife, two kids and be a mental coach. That was not on his list, but that's mm -hmm. what it turned out to be. And he's happy about it because without all the other things, he would have not gotten there. So I think that's the hardest pill to swallow for all the guys is like, I am a hockey player. Yeah, but you're so much more. I love that. So true. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and just being so open and honest and all the advice you've given is amazing. My pleasure. Like I, I was just nervous. I was like, oh, there we go. Steph swearing and, and, and just like mumbling and, and giving her two cents on stuff. I'm, I'm so grateful for being able to come on and, and, and talk about it. And I'm always an open book. And I'm always here to help. So if anyone ever wants to reach out, just find me on Facebook or Instagram. I have the same name. I don't have a crazy made up name. You'll find me. Stephanie Hyde with an F and I-E at the end. H-E-I-D. 
like Heidi without the I. <laughs> Perfect. And then where can people find your husband? Like if, if someone wanted to pass his information yeah. along. So Chris Hyde, C-H-R-I-S-H-E-I-D is his name also on Facebook, but his, um, he just started a website and an Instagram handle. It's called under the bucket. Um, the Instagram is I think under the bucket dot official. And the website is just www.underthebucket.com. And there's a bunch of info. There's the masterclass that I just talked about. There's a contact form where you can just, you know, reach out to him. There is also, you can book like individual lessons, but either way on his Instagram or on the website, just reach out. Even if you just want to have, you know, one question answered, it's fine. Um, he'd be happy to help. We're both happy to help. And um, yeah. Yeah while I'm here, maybe some people want to follow him on Instagram. Like I'm trying to pump his tires. <laughs> he's like, a few followers and he's like really determined to make it better. But we're both still like, I mean, I'm not really the social media buff, but he's, he needs to learn to do it so he can reach the people that he wants to help. So if you want to go follow under the bucket dot official, he'll be happy and excited that he has two more followers. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even people's husbands, you know, like they could just show them this episode, just honey. You need to listen to this episode. Here's some advice and tips and go follow this guy. <laughs> they, need, they need to listen because a lot of the guy, women or wives that think that they're nagging, once their husband listens to this, they're going to appreciate their wives so much more because they listen to me bark and they're like, oh man, it could have gotten so much worse with this one. <laughs> so that's, if, that, if that's the only benefit they get out of that, then that's going to work too. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you. It was awesome. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next week.